0: You'd okay. be most likely to be known by some random person for for what things in order?
1: Probably rubygems.org first. And people think I made the whole thing, but I didn't. And I try not to. It's, I don't want <laughs> to be known for that.
0: Well, why do you take credit for making the whole thing then?
1: I don't. It's <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, way
1: too much responsibility. I have enough already. <laughs> I have enough yeah. guilt on my shoulders.
0: Right. Well, Ruby, that's a pretty big thing for being known for.
1: Um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to work on, and it's amazing that it's that given how things live in the Ruby community, that no one's rewritten it yet, or like fixed it, or made something new yet. I like I have this secret hope that someone will, that someone will just like there'll be this new amazing thing. And I'll be like, oh great, let's use that instead, <laughs> and then that <laughs> yeah. hasn't happened yet.
0: Well, it seems, so watching from the outside about Ruby Gems, it seems like there's been this uh, uh, kind of uh, behind-the-music arc to your experience with Ruby Gems, where at first it seemed like it was this, like, you know, epic conquest, and then there were some dark, it, it appears at least from the outside, there were some, like, dark days of <laughs> two, two, you know, uh, uh, crazy nights in L.A. and, you know, all... Uh, good, um, yeah. Moments where the stability was probably a challenge, and you're like, "Oh my god, I, I donated this whole thing, and it's be ruining my life." And I, I hate, I hate you, Ruby Gems. <laughs> and and then now it seems like you're on the other side of that. Is that is that accurate?
1: All that you think you left out the drug-addled Vegas benders, <laughs> <and the laughs> White Snake concerts,
0: and yeah. Did you add an X to um, your last name?
1: <laughs> I rebranded myself as a symbol.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that that uh, would have been about right.
1: I think an, an arc is a good way to put it. So, um, at least the past geez, two years have been kind of bumpy. Um, so, there was a point where, like, it kind of took over. We renamed the site from gemcutter to rubygems.org, and that was in 2009. And then since then, like, uh, Ruby Central has maintained and paid for the infrastructure, which has been great, and I didn't want to pay for it. So, and it's expensive. There, yeah. was a, there was a thing recently about, um, I think it was like a $7,000 AWS bill, and I would want couldn't afford that. So um,
0: That's a lot. <laughs> is that mostly for the bandwidth or for the storage?
1: Bandwidth, a huge chunk is bandwidth. That's almost all of it. And I think a lot of it is EC2, but a big chunk is the bandwidth. Um, the storage is actually really minor because the gems are small. There's a lot of them but they're really small so it's not like we're storing movies or images or something that's
0: just like there's a few bigger gems but most of them are like under 100 kilobytes so it's not a huge deal. If but, you had um, told like if you had told 10 years ago or maybe even more 15 years ago me that something like the bandwidth wouldn't be covered by some sort of like peer-to-peer network that we had all figured out I would have said you're there's no way. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable to me that it hasn't gone that way.
1: I almost wish it would. I've been like, that's my secret hope for someone that would rewrite it, is that it works in, like, a decentralized, P2P way. And I, I – it would be nice.
0: <laughs> now, is – you've got a lot of – you're putting a lot on this this unnamed person, all these secret hopes for RubyGems. gems. Is I know. this, like – is this you, really? No, or are you just sort it's of... really
1: not. It's really <laughs> –
0: Because it kind of sounds like it may be you. No, I
1: have, I have a seven-month-old, and I am very busy with, like, all sorts of outside projects. So – <laughs> this is like this is like my my, my fantasy world of like of what would ha- what could happen All I, I, everything that I can do with my copious amounts of of spare time that I don't spend already on other
0: side projects right okay but speaking <laughs> of we've got to stick to our list, so sure. if someone didn't know you best for ruby gems what what would number two be oh i i this is a good question um so I mean, I do a lot
1: of side stuff. Um, at least in Buffalo, I run a co-working space. Um, so at least here, uh, I've been. In the, the The news keeps calling me, and we keep getting articles done, which is nice for PR. Uh, in, in on the internet world, though. I well, mean, what do
0: they call you? What does the news call you?
1: Uh, I don't know. A, f- a founder, I guess, is a good word. Um,
0: oh, you mean they're like calling you on the telephone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was imagining that they, like, had a nickname for you.
1: No, no. <laughs> You're making this out to be bigger than it is. Um, <laughs> okay. Although I, I like kind of like the Vegas vendor side of this.
0: <laughs> right. Wait, like, so I, this I,
1: I secretly play jazz flute at a club on <laughs> Wednesday nights or something.
0: You know, I did not love that movie, truth be told, except for that scene, which I think is one of the funniest things ever. <laughs>
1: I, th- I think I think it could happen, given enough, <laughs> enough years of practice.
0: Right, right. Okay, so before we get off the co-working space, so uh, remind me then is it Co-Work Buffalo? Is that the name yeah, of it?
1: That? Yeah, that's it. It's pretty unoriginal. Um.
0: <laughs> I think it's good. It's like, you know, Acme Soda
1: Pop. It is. Uh, we, we've been in business for two years now. It, it kind of was born out of my, like, frustration of trying to get work done at home. And uh, there's a lot of distractions at home. And a lot of, i trying to get work done at coffee shops, which is great for in, like, short bursts. And some of the coffee shops in my neighborhood, they, like, I think they intentionally have bad Wi-Fi. Like, they don't want you to sit there. Like, you'd think that would be a thing where, like, hey, sit down and let's have, you can have some coffee. And, like, as you work, maybe you'll buy some more stuff. But that doesn't seem to be what coffee shops in my neighborhood want to do. They want to, like, all right, you've got your stuff, move on.
0: So, so I have a, I, I kind of like to work at a coffee shop, so. But uh one thing has prevented me from doing it more, and I think it's a big deal that I never hear people talk about, which is you smell like coffee.
1: Oh, yeah, that's something so that's definitely a thing. There's like a scent.: Yeah, and it's a, like roasted, burnt coffee.
0: Exactly, yeah, uh, uh, but I, I don't think, it doesn't matter what type of, co- like, the quality of the coffee. It's, no matter what, if you spend time, especially in the winter, because then you've got, like, more clothing, and it's more likely to be leather, and, you know. Yep. Then uh, you just got this this burnt t- smell on you for, you can't get rid of it.
1: Yeah, we used to, our first version of Cowork, Cowork 1.0, as we call it, call it was above um, a coffee shop and above where they roasted all the coffee. Oh, boy. So, like, it was really bad. I would get a lot of complaints. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I get And I'd come home just, like, smelling of bike sweat and of, like, burnt, over-roasted coffee. And it's like, oh, great. I not want to be near you now.
0: <laughs> oh, wait. So you got uh, – I was thinking you got complaints from, like, the patrons of the of the co-working space, not your wife. <laughs>
1: That's uh, funny. I would – I'd probably say both.
0: Probably. <laughs> you getting it from all sides.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: What's the, uh, before I forget, what's the nickname for Buffalo? Like the what city?
1: We have several. Um, We have the Nickel City. Ah, right. The the Queen City. I've heard City of Light. We were one of the first cities with electricity because of Niagara Falls. Um, Queen City because it's the second biggest city in New York. And Nickel started because there's Buffalo Nickels and people got
0: confused or something. So the reason I was asking is that I remember that you did the Nickel City Ruby conference, which we'll get to in a second, I, I imagine. Sure, yeah. But but I think that, I think that Cowork Buffalo is a better name because, uh, like I feel like there aren't that many cities that are really known by a nickname. Like there's the Big Apple and there's like the second city, like for Chicago. And, but I, I feel like if, you know, like I don't know how many people would know Buffalo as the Nickel City outside of, Right. Outside of people that live in Buffalo, and even though there I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah,
1: Um, it's funny because one of my designer friends here, he's got a big pet peeve against people that use Buffalo in their Buffalo logos. So it's like, (laughs) it seems to be ubiquitous. Like, yeah, sure, we have this, like, great, like, basically, like, instant logo for everything, right? Just the buffalo goes with everything. It could be like a wrench and then you've got like your mechanic shop. Or if it's like a right. soccer team, right? You've got your buffalo plus your soccer. But like it's, funny, it's so funny how ubiquitous it is. But like it also comes off as like unoriginal to have this like huge furry buffalo head on everything. So, so,
0: so is that what you went with then? Uh, no.
1: So <laughs> the story of our logo for cowork's is kind of funny. Um, we need a logo for CoWork. I, I can I'm pretty good with like I can find a random font and like make a make a <laughs> nice looking typeface, but like logos no way. So like I ended up finding a little pixel buffalo on DeviantArt that was extremely small, very tiny, like a maybe a twenty by twenty pixel art. And I'm like, this is perfect. This is great. Like I emailed the guy which emailing someone on DeviantArt is like you you might never get a response. Like, someone may have just posted fanfiction there and then got, gotten away from it. But luckily, this guy responded. And he's like, sure, you can use the logo. So, boom, we got a logo for free. And then basically since then, we've just been sending him goodies. I sent him, like, a bunch of uh, buffalo uh, maids. Like, we. I sent him some mustard and some hot sauce and, like, some barbecue stuff. Wow. And then uh, I just keep sending him goodies in hopes that he won't trademark it and then take all the money that we don't make off of
0: co-work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What's it going to take? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you did, you did go with a buffalo in your logo. Though. Yeah,
1: we did, but it's not like a buffalo head. It's, it's like the whole buffalo, but it's pixelated, so it looks kind of like geeky, nerdy. Right. So we, well, we fell into the trap of the, of the ubiquitous yet unoriginal Buffalo so, logo.
0: I'm a, for what it's worth, I'm a fan of the idea of, of including Buffalo in the name and just call it, like, you know, Acme Cowork Buffalo with, <laughs> with a Buffalo in the logo because I think that that's, like, a better fit for Buffalo as a city than, you know, if it was, like, a co without the E at the end. Uh, and I just feel like it's, like, kind of straightforward and to the point and everyone knows what it is. I like it.
1: Yeah, we have enough uh, – br- <laughs> Branding problems already here.
0: <laughs> that's all I, I need think, is one more. I mean, I think Buffalo is, so I've been there a lot of times. It's, um, you know, I mean, it's a little, uh, I think it probably has earned its reputation as being a little tired, you know, a little past its boom days. But it's For it's, it's, fine. Sure. it's fine.
1: It's definitely, it's a city that's, uh, it, it's a typical Rust Belt city. Uh, people, the, the population has been declining since forever. Mm-hmm. 'll move to the Sunbelt and elsewhere and, and i I mean I grew up here so i 'm kind of partial and biased, but uh I enjoy being back and it 's nice at least now there's a lot of uh a lot of newer startups coming in there's a lot of funding coming in from the state like they 're trying to revitalize it, and there 's a lot of construction going on as well so it's kind of like it 's a nice place to be now. I feel like i at least when I was growing up and when I was moving away for college i didn 't see a lot of the attention that was going towards the city. And now there is. So it's kind, of, it's kind of nice. And it's weird being a Rust Belt city that is, like, on the upswing. At least I can feel that it's an upswing. Right. Well, I have to tell myself repeatedly that it's an
0: upswing. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as it, you just can keep that going, you know, your whole life, it'll be fine.
1: It'll, yeah, totally, because that's how things work.
0: <laughs> yeah. I lived in I lived in Pittsburgh when it sort of hit its uh, upswing stage. Maybe, maybe like right before and then right at the beginning of its upswing. So I lived there right during a time like that. And it felt very much the same. Like, it was kind of cool to be in a place that was, you know, obviously Ross Belt in a lot of ways, but but in a lot of ways kind of past that and finding its own new identity. And I kind of liked it. Um, and I grew up in Albany, so, you know, we've got a, us upstate New Yorkers have to stay together, I think. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, so far in order, we've got uh, number one, Ruby Gems, number two, co-work, Buffalo, uh, what would number three be?
1: Oh, jeez. Um, I don't know why I'm having such, such trouble here. Uh, <laughs> I got, so something, uh, this is funny, one of my coworkers workers is pinged me. Um, I wrote a site in college to learn about Git um, called getready.com. And oh, yeah. people keep telling me, like, I went on that site and, like, they see, they see my name and like, what do you mean? You wrote this? And I'm like, yeah, I did, like, on um, trains in, uh, in college to learn Git, just because, like, I was driving, driven crazy by it. And it's so funny to see the long tail of that. I haven't updated the site in years. I haven't posted a new article in years. But, like, people keep – I think just because the SEO now, it's so, like, embedded. And I kind of wrote the posts to be, like, specific problems. Like, hey, I need to um, – just look at the site now. Like, I need to uh, – figure out who committed what, this thing. Or, like, I need to do this specific task. And I think the articles are, like, really tuned well for Google, and I don't know why I had the premonition <laughs> to do this. So it's really funny to see that people keep saying, like, oh, wow, this really helps me, and I can't. It, I didn't never imagine it would be this as helpful as it is.
0: But do they have headlines like, you know, you'll never believe the ten crazy ways you can find out who wrote this no, code? this code? No, vi-
1: this is very pre-BuzzFeed. Oh, I should have. Okay. Uh, I see. or Or quick hole now. Um, <laughs> The, I am, yeah, I, I wish, yeah, someone needed to, someone needs to figure out who was the inventor of the, It's probably something with was AOL, the, like, best 10, 25 ways to be a better git committer or something. I should have named them like that. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> I have, so my, my current favorite, like, novelty, goofy Twitter uh, handle is saved a click or saved you a click. I've got to figure out which one. It's but really it's, good. Isn't that hilarious?
1: It's like so. It's it, it links articles, and it's like, oh, well, what did what did I don't know? Some celebrity say, and it's usually like no. So it's like the instant <laughs> answer. My favorite ones are the images. It'll say it'll say something like, uh, "Here's the like what's happening to the housing prices," and then it's like attached, and it'll just straight up attach the only useful bit of <laughs> information.
0: Yeah, there was one the other day that said like the headline was something like you know, uh, the shocking thing that uh, that Hillary Clinton would say to Monica Lewinsky if she met her. And then the the tweet was, uh, I wish you well. Who's <laughs> <laughs> <I, laughs>
1: <See, laughs> running that is amazing. I feel like there's such good, there's so many people whose jobs it is to, like, not to think up those headlines and to not, um, to lead you on. And then, like, there's this one jerk <laughs> with the Twitter account that's just like, That's just like skewering this.
0: No, please please tell me that's you. That would make this bit. I I wish it would be. Uh,
1: What is I think it's Beveridge's rule or law of headlines. Have you heard of that? That that law? No. Um, So it's. I'm probably mispronouncing the name, but it's a. It's the law where um, if you ever have a question in the headline of a story, the answer is always no. So like, should Amazon? Re- it's like, will Amazon's new phone beat beat Apple's? No. Uh, will uh, I don't know. Will something replace Git? No. Right, like, there's always no matter what it is. If it's a question. The answer is always, always, always no.
0: Well, I hope for your sake that no one ever writes an article named uh, "Will anyone take on Nick's fantasy of rewriting Ruby Gems and making it peer to peer." because that'd be a huge bummer, no <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, that's funny, all right well, I can't believe you haven't said thirty seven signals yet, I feel uh, like... yeah,
1: so there's that, uh, so I work for base camp um <laughs> oh, I'm,
0: yeah. oh i i I'm sorry I did not follow the <laughs> we we
1: be, we became base camp, as we like to say um yeah, so that's the thing um I've been working there for almost three years now, uh it's it's a lot of fun. I, I absolutely love
0: love the job. Oh, three years—that's a while.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's, it's been a, it's been a long time, uh, as far as tech jobs go. Right. Um, I absolutely love it. It's been fun to see the company kind of shift and kind of realize that Basecamp is—it's really the important thing that we do. And um, it, it's it's just to work on an app that is used by so many people and that is used in so many different ways, from like. More so, like, we get a lot of the standards. I feel like the Basecamp's bread and butter has and still is a lot of these, like, client web design companies that, like, they may need to, like, show their work and save their butt when their client says, hey, you didn't do this thing, and it's, like, actually in Basecamp, you said no. Um, but we, we get all sorts of uses now from, like, teachers to, uh, to, like, independent artists, to big companies that are planning and doing huge things in it, and it's just the scope of what's going on in there is is just unimaginable. So to be able to work on that and affect someone's like like when they come in and they they sit down for work and they're looking at Basecamp like that, I think is super powerful. And that that's what I like
0: like to work on. I think the scale of Basecamp is something that people outside of Basecamp underestimate. It's my guess, like just yeah. how much is going on in Basecamp yeah. every second of the day.
1: Oh yeah, and. I feel like, well, we don't have a good sense of it either, and we've done a lot of work lately to, like, get closer and to get more in contact with our customers and to figure out who exactly is using this and for what purposes. And not more so, like, uh, I mean, we do do a lot of one-to-one customer interaction, but more so, like, on a general sense, who is using it and why. And um, it, it it is kind of crazy how many different ways people use it Um, it was funny, uh, with a company here in Buffalo, um, called Block Club, they're like a design company, um, they ran a little project management seminar at Basecamp, and I helped out, and uh, I was asking my coworkers on the support team, like, hey, do you have any tips for, like, what I could do, and they pointed me towards a few videos that they show customers all the time, and they're like, I feel like if you're going to talk to customers, Nick, you're going to say, like, it depends a lot, just because, like, I know a lot of those crazy use cases. And, like, <laughs> like, really that's not, like, the best answer. Really, we should just say, like, you should use it this way. But, like, m- my answer is always, like, well, it depends. I should really, like, you could use to-dos this way, but you may. Some people use it that way. And it's, yeah. Uh, but I, I think the-, the fun part of it is that, like, there-, there are a lot of different parts to it. And people use it in different ways. Like, some projects might only use the to-dos. And some might use just the communication or a mix of both. And that's okay. That's completely all right. And some might use a separate service to store files instead of us. Sure, whatever, you know. So I think it's it's the fact that it is flexible and people can kind of bend their workflows around it instead of having to, like, hammer their workflow into it
0: is is, is good. Yeah, I think that seems like, from the outside at least, like the smart, the really brilliant business design decision of Basecamp in the beginning was to make it so... Um, general, gener- you know, most... It's funny because, you know, everyone thinks about Rails being opinionated and David being opinionated, but <laughs> Basecamp is really not opinionated and, like, it's almost anti-opinionated. It's It's got a few basic building blocks you can kind of, like, rig together to make, a, you know, something. At least it's that's also, what it feels like to me.
1: Yeah, it's also interesting to be on the, the product that is actually known more than Rails is. <laughs> and it's interesting to see that as well. Like, people... I feel like there's more people out there that know what Basecamp is over what Rails is.
0: Wow, do you think so?
1: Oh, definitely. I definitely think so. I think it's just because we're living in this tech industry bubble of news that, like, we see Rails all the time, but, like, actually, but I think that the products are, like, what matters more, obviously, to
0: people. Right. Wait, so are you telling me that my little echo chamber is not the real world?
1: I, I'm sorry to shatter your vision. Oh, man. Man. Okay. Sit down for this. <laughs> what else does that mean?
0: <laughs> 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 All right. So, and then Nickel City Ruby, we mentioned it before, so I think that's got to rank below 37 signals in terms of notoriety.
1: Uh, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> Is that, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to shatter your bubble. <laughs>
1: but. It's okay. So, uh, Nickel City started as a little, um, there was a Ruby group here in Buffalo, and we had always been going out to other cities for conferences, and, <laughs> The question was always, like, could we do this here? And that was really, like, the question. Like, we would love to do this here. It would be awesome if we didn't have to travel for one of these. <laughs> uh, if we could bring people here, like, could we get enough people? Would people come? Would the speakers be good? And so last year we decided to try it, and it worked. We actually made money on the conference. Not a huge amount, but we made money, which is going right back into this year's conference. So, How many it, people it, went? Uh, we had 175 people, and uh, this year it's October 3rd and 4th, I believe. I gotta. I think it's October 3rd and 4th. Yes, and we're we're going to be following the same formula as last year. It's two two days, single track. Uh, we're in a nice. Um, it's kind of a hidden gem in Buffalo, and there's a library dead smack in the middle in the middle of the city,
0: and um, there's an Wait, auto. Wait, the the library is the hidden gem. Yeah, it really is. Uh,
1: um, oh, that's, that's
0: an awful, that's like awful commentary on I, the state of the world. I know. But uh, there's an auditorium in the
1: library that I had never, ever known about, and it's actually a really nice little venue, and it's got a nice little stage, and um, it, it really is in the middle of everything. Like, we couldn't get a better place, at least downtown, for, for,
0: for this kind of thing. That isn't like a huge convention center or a, or a hotel, um, so it, sounds like a, it sounds like an Onion article. I actually think there was an Onion article about how, <laughs> like, you know, crazy city in, in upstate New York uh, opens building to lend books for free.
1: <laughs> right. Did you know that you can get books for free?
0: <laughs> You'd never believe it.
1: You just, you, and then you can bring them back and get more?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Libraries are, like, my thing. So I uh, – well, this actually relates to co-work Buffalo, so I think libraries are super good co-working spaces. They're quiet. They've got, well, they don't always have good Wi-Fi, so that's a bit of a problem. Right. Um, um, but, like, how would you, if you were to, to say what Cowork Buffalo has that the library you just mentioned doesn't have and vice versa, like, how do they stack up?
1: Uh, I would say that, like, it's, we're trying to be more of, like, a community than hmm. people randomly getting work done in a library are. Um
0: uh, also ironic, though, given that that's sort of like what a library is supposed to be. Right. I I feel I mean uh, some good examples of that. Uh, the people that
1: work at Co work kind of know each other, so we can rely on each other for stuff. Like uh, my one, uh, star as a coworker, and now is a partner in the business. He he's an accountant, so like he knows just stuff about accounting, <laughs> right? So like we can bug him for stuff like that. Uh, the the professional contacts you get are like in the network effect of a co working space are really the win there. And um, and, and another thing, it's kind of like a small little family too. I, I mean I hate saying that there was this an article posted today somewhere it's like work is not your family. But like it it's weird because like, like one of our uh, one of our guys at co work got a new job and like he like he needed a job and like he got it he got out of his bad one and he got he got into a new one and it was like awesome. Like everyone was like super proud of him and cheering him on, and, it, and like, that, that felt great that, like, we, our space, like, helped him do this awesome thing in his life. So I feel like that's not something you'd get out of just, like, sitting at a desk in, in the library. Sure, you can get work done, and but you can get work done anywhere. So we're, we're trying to be a little more than that, I guess.
0: So I, this is not a, a negative thing about co-working spaces, but it kind of, like, bums me out a little bit as a fan of libraries that, that part of, like, the co-workspace movement hasn't been, like, let's make libraries, all those things. Because they have a lot of what you need. They've got, like, a good physical infrastructure there. They have resources, like, you know, computers and copiers and reference librarians and people that can help, et cetera. And they're supposed to be the, the meeting place for all members of the community. Totally. It's, it's, like, I it just, I feel like in an alternate world, uh, uh, co-working spaces would be like you know the citizens uh, influence the library to be you know a modern um, uh, meeting place for for small business people, but it just doesn't happen yet.
1: Yeah, it would be cool. I mean, there's a lot of uh, very forward-thinking people at the Buffalo Public Library, which are which have been super nice to work with, and I, I wouldn't be opposed to not have to pay rent. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I'm gonna <laughs> let's uh, let's role play for a second. Oh God! <laughs> so pretend pretend that I am the uh, I think they call them director. I'm the director of the Buffalo Public Library System, and I say, Hey, Nick, uh, I heard down on this podcast, and uh, I got an idea. I want to uh, I, I want to have the library include a co working space. I don't think the current library is the perfect setup. I think it could be, but How about we make Cowork Buffalo part of the Buffalo Public Library system and then maybe we can, you know, expand it over time if we need it or move it to another building as we have spaces available? uh, What's your reaction? Do you think that's an awful proposal or like you're listening?
1: I would say, Mr. Director, if you can get us out of our five-year lease, then you can do whatever you want.
0: <laughs> I seriously think that that's a possibility. So, Mr. <laughs> Director of the Buffalo Public Library <laughs> <laughs> System, like Nick is listening, and I guarantee you this would be a good investment of your it lease. Would be,
1: it would be interesting. I, I feel like, um, well, first of all, we're not that far away. <laughs> we're like maybe uh, two, two longish blocks from... From where the library is, it would be fun if they had the space. I, I think uh, there's probably a better. I, I, I don't know. I feel like having actual like books and shelves and like community resources that would be open to more than just the specific amounts of people that can that are able to not only work remotely but like work any like work out of a co-working space because we have a lot of people that tell us like they would love to come down but like their company policies mandate that like they can't. Like they have to be in like a secured location or something, oh, which is which is which is wild. So like I don't know. At least for a library, would, this is getting into the whole public policy sector. But uh, are, you,
0: are you an expert on public policy?
1: No, without a doubt, <laughs> the opposite of an expert.
0: It seems like you're an expert on a bunch of stuff. I was hoping that it wasn't just like learning Git and uh, starting a co work space and <laughs> Ruby gems.
1: I can tell you how to do a lot of things and not make a lot of money any of them.
0: It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. (laughs) Right. Okay. So, uh, I think that we should do, I should do the, uh, sponsor for today. And then the second half, I want to dedicate to the thing you're least known for, I think, which is, uh, your, uh, band website. Um, just because I think that's fun. People know you for the other stuff. All right. So you mind if I do this, uh, sponsor read? Go for it. All right. So, uh, today's sponsor is Codeship. CodeShip makes continuous deployment simple. You can set up your continuous integration server on CodeShip in a few easy steps, and then your software will automatically deploy when all of your tests have passed. CodeShip has great support for multiple languages and test frameworks, so obviously Ruby and uh, Ruby and Rails and uh, RSpec and MiniTest. On that point, uh, are you an RSpec or, or MiniTest guy? Not to go. I without. am.
1: I am a use-whatever-you-want kind of guy.
0: Um, that's again, that's a good answer.
1: I, I, I honestly don't care what you're using for testing as long as you're testing. Um, RSpec's great. Minitest is great. You know, I, I it doesn't matter to me. I'll speak both. I'll use either. Just give me tests.
0: <laughs> right. Seems like a good good opinion to have. Uh, like, I use RSpec by default, but, like, when it, you know, if I'm going to commit to a gem that... Is out there, whatever they use, fine with me,
1: yeah, I, we, we use uh, mini tests and test unit for most of our stuff at base camp, and that, that's just because we've been using that mostly since forever, and our spec doesn't seem to be taken too lightly around here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs>
0: honestly
1: I, I could care less uh, it, it, the differences in reality are so small. And I feel like now it it doesn't really matter. Like, what matters more is like th- the ways that you're testing stuff, and like, like if you're going way too mo way too heavy with mocks, or if you're not integration testing, that's a whole other problem. There's like so many other issues that are more interesting than like
0: the actual right. language or like framework you're using to test stuff. Yeah, never been more true than today, too, with like our spec three, not not a. Uh... Monkey patching everything and and uh, and uh, test unit having the the uh, what do you call it the mini te- the sort of R spec like yeah they've got
1: the matchers I think now yeah right?
0: so like at this point what the heck you t- you know, right. they're pretty similar anyways well uh, if you also don't have an opinion and uh, are using whichever test framework then CodeShip has you covered. You can easily integrate with uh, GitHub or Bitbucket for code hosting and then deploy to wherever your servers are, whether it's Roku or AWS or your own, uh, your own server or Nojitsu or whatever it is. Uh, uh, they've got it covered. You can start out with their free plan and setting that up takes only about three minutes. You can find out more about CodeShip at codeship.io, that's C-O-D-E-S-H-I-P.io slash 5 by 5 ruby And if you use the offer code 5 by 5 ruby 5, the number 5 by number 5 Ruby, um, you get 20% off any plan for three months. So again, you can try it out for free, then get 20% off for three months. You can also read more about them and their company at blog codeship.io and you'll get more uh, up-to-date information about what they're up to. So I'd like to thank Codeship for supporting 5x5 and the Ruby on Rails podcast. Alright. Do you guys run a continuous integration server at Basecamp?
1: Yeah. um, So we kind of run our own custom rolled thing. We tried Jenkins for a while, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And then... I think our ops guys got sick of that and now they replace it with just like a little shell script that runs rake. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I was joking. Uh, so we have a, we have a, a internal app called Dash, which is kind of our um, overlord for all things related to monitoring and stats and there's even support tools in there, like our support team uses it for, um, that's how they manage uh, Twitter. There's like a little Twitter client in there. It's like a whole grab bag of stuff. So that's our big, that's our main CI. But also, um, since I've been doing a lot of iOS stuff lately, I run the Xcode CI as well. But which mostly means that I restart a little Mac Mini in our data center. <laughs> I was
0: going to make that joke, but you made it. For me. Yeah, because the, you uh, is there like a little? You should make a little like mechanical robot arm that like pulls the plug and then replugs it in.
1: I I'm almost at that point now. <laughs> exactly. It's not the most stable thing, but it's the only <laughs> thing that really. I mean, I guess you could, if you had Jenkins, you could run Xcode build or whatever it is. But it's kind of nice. It's got all these nice little graphs and it looks pretty.
0: So is being one. I don't know if you're the iOS guy at Basecamp or one of the iOS guys at Basecamp. But is that like a uh, is is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can never tell from you on Twitter if this but- is.
1: Being, being the iOS guy or yeah. me? Uh, well, so, uh, I wrote the Basecamp for iPhone app in RubyMotion and we've been doing a bunch of other native projects, um, all in Xcode recently. So uh, my, my venting on Twitter is mostly, uh, uh, dealing with Xcode and its pains. But, um, I, I, mean, I like, I really do like iOS. It's like, it's for some reason more real to me than working on the web. Like you can act, I think it's because you can actually touch it. You can actually play with it with your hands instead of a website where you're just like scrolling through it and looking at it. You can actually it there's a more tactile feel. So for that I like I like it a lot. It's just uh the context switching I think is what really gets me to like going back and forth because we do go back and forth all the time. And that's what it just, it's like a huge brain shift to, like, go from this, like, dynamically-type language where things, memory and speed and performance don't matter. Well, they do matter, but they mostly, you don't worry about it. To, like, this very statically strict language where memory matters and allocation matters. So there's just a lot of context switching there.
0: I bet you would take either RSpec or Minitest test unit in iOS. <laughs>
1: oh, that would be wonderful. Uh, the test frameworks there are pretty, pretty primitive. And I think it's that. I mean, RSpec and Minitest are a product of, like, years of the Ruby community, like, figuring out testing. When in reality, most iOS apps are not tested. And they, they don't know at all how to even progress there. So I think that is getting better, though. Um, I just saw a cool thing from Facebook and someone else, I think, on the CocoaPods team, where um, you test via just with screenshots. So, like, you would take a screenshot of what you expect your app to look
0: like. Oh, that's smart.
1: And then you you, like do the thing. You like tap around in your test, and then instead of saying like, "Well, this 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 exact view should look this way," you just say okay, take a screenshot now and compare it, hmm. which is what you'd probably be doing with, like, a QA process anyway, right? You'd say, like, this should always look this way with these things in it. So it's kind of a genius thing. Yeah, so I, I feel like, super clever. Yeah, there's ways, I feel like, that we just haven't figured out yet about how to test stuff. And, of hmm. course, um, if it's not from the Apple fire hose, people won't trust it instantly.
0: So I find that, so I, I don't write any iOS apps right now, and... I find the – I think the context switch between open source and, like, controlled by a company would blow my mind, like, daily if I was doing it. Because, man, is it so different. Like, I listen to a lot of um, the Apple Universe podcast, which is, I, I think, kind of broad now. And or I listen to some of them, at least. And the the sort of the reverence and the please daddy thing is weird. You're just, yeah. just not used to it.
1: So I started um – um Programming in Visual Basic, and then got into .NET. So I'm, I'm kind of I've seen this firehose culture from Microsoft before, and uh, and although I didn't stick around in as many years as it as, as others have, I feel like it's kind of the same culture of like, like sure they're different companies, but it's the same thing of like, well, there's folks that only trust what Apple does to the letter, and then those who diverge from the path, well. You just you take that. It's like a huge risk,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and it 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 is kind of weird doing the context switching. But I think it it keeps things things in perspective. A a good example of this recently was I was complaining about WWDC, and it's mostly because like I wasn't there, and there's all these and there's all these cool things going out, which is nice. But there's a big culture there of like you have to stand in a line and go ask people. Like you, that's the only place really where you can get access to the Apple engineers, where you don't have to pay. So I feel like that's, like, that's so weird looking at that kind of culture where people stand in line to bug an engineer and ask them questions. And they might not even find the right engineer, too, which is another fun thing. Like, if you need, if you have this one bug with your specific code, and that that person you waited in line for doesn't know, well, oh well. But that's so weird coming from an open source way where, like, people are usually responsive and if you send someone a nice email they're going to respond and say like oh here's the part that i wrote and i can right.
0: help. with. Well, and someone else can take over. So if like, you know, circumstances change and the original maintainer's gone or busy or whatever, then it's all there so someone that wants totally. to crack it open and take a look and just sort of assume their role.
1: Totally. And i mean, that's not to say that like i think i i, I said this on twitter and people were saying like, well, if you want to a RailsConf or something, and you wanted someone from Rails Core to look at your app, that probably wouldn't happen, like, if you're just, like, a Joe Schmo engineer. And I'm like, well, I'm, I bet it would if you asked nicely enough. And <laughs> or at least someone would help, and there's plenty of user groups and stuff. And I guess that's the same for Victor when
0: The someone would help, I think, is the key point there. And that, right. like, who cares if it's someone from Rails Core or not? I mean, they, they right. may not even be the best person to help, depending on what right. the situation is, exactly. at least.
1: So I, it's, it is interesting just seeing the two cultures and how they, I mean, both are thriving right now. And it's interesting seeing how they act
0: differently and react to situations differently. Yeah, they're super different. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about, now I, I realized uh, about ten minutes before I called you today that I've never said the name of this band out loud. Okay. So let's hope, hope I get it right. Is that sure. aqueous? I,
1: I, I've I've been saying aqueous. I, I think it's aqueous.
0: <laughs> I don't no, know. You probably know though. Yeah, better I, than I do.
1: I, I would say I say aqueous. So I can. This is a little band that uh, it, it's just a series of weird coincidences how I got into this band. Um, so there is an app called turntable.fm. Do you, do, you think that,
0: do you think this is their big break right now, by the way? B? No, I
1: don't. This is, <laughs> this, is,
0: this is a minor event.
1: This is a minor event. Um, okay. Well, anyhow. Uh, so there is an app called turntable.fm. And um, it was like a group DJing app that just shut down maybe a few months ago. And... Um, I found a channel on there that was, like, full of jam bands. And I'm in a bunch of different jam bands, Fish being the, the big one. And some of the – some of the, I found out that a few of the guys that were on that channel where – the way it would work is, like, you – there's, like, a little queue for the DJ table, and then you could, like, upload and play whatever songs you wanted. So it was great. It's, like, great. You would just, like, sit in a room, and that would be your music for the day and i found out that there's a there's this channel and there are actually a few guys from the western and upstate new york region and they played this band and they're like this is really good and i was like blown away and i found out that they're from buffalo and not only from buffalo but the exact little town that i grew up in here and they're touring all over the place so it was kind of like this weird coincidence of like here's this band that's really good in this genre that you like that is they literally went to the high school in your town.
0: <laughs> so, With, uh, any chance you were there when they were there?
1: No, no. Um, but, uh, they, um, they're really good. <laughs> uh,
0: so. Are now are you friends of theirs now? Is it? No,
1: uh, actually, uh, I've met one of them. Um, I haven't met them all yet, but, uh, I know some of the people that help promote them now, and one... There's, like, a... I wouldn't call them... You could call them groupies. (laughs) They're not really... It's more more like they're, like... There's, like, a Facebook army of people that, like, promote them. And, um... One of the things that I've always admired from other bands that are in this kind of genre is that they have these, like, stats sites. Um... Fish is notorious for this. They, there's several of these sites that have been keeping stats for like 20, 25 years on the band. Which is super cool. It's ridiculous. They have everything from like every venue they've ever played at, every song they've played, what happened at a show. Like I can listen, I can find a show from like 1992, and then there will be not only stats on like what was played but also, like, recordings and then people that were there chiming in, like, here's what it was like. Which, that that's ridiculous to me. Like, there's no, there's not other, not a lot of bands do this. <laughs> or at least they have the these crazy nerds with a lot of uh,
0: statistical
1: knowledge. <laughs> well,
0: and it's amazing that it's been that way for so long, too, because this isn't, like, a new thing with, obviously it's not a new thing with fish. but, I mean, it was, that culture was around fish way back.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um... I basically saw this opportunity where, like, there was this up-and-coming band that was from my hometown that uh, didn't have a little site for stats, so I made one. <laughs>
0: uh, now, do you do any of the so? And how are the stats collected? Is it like a just community thing, or
1: so uh, the, the army of Facebook fans, um, including uh, this one guy uh, Darren from Rochester, he has mostly been. Uh, compiling stuff. And luckily the band itself had, um, years worth of set lists already on their website, but it was all like a PHP site with like a static page per site, which I'm sure he just copied a million times. Uh, so I was able to scrape that site for all the data. And then going forward, I can rely on the, uh, the, the army of folks helping out to like plug in stuff. So it was so, kind of it was kind of cool that like there was already this like repository of data that I could pull from.
0: So let's take a quick fish detour before we go more into the experience okay. of making that uh site. So uh is fish still your your uh kind of jam band of choice or have they been I'm,
1: I'm seeing them three times this summer. So uh yes.
0: <laughs> How many times have you seen them in total?
1: Um uh, I'm, so like I'm relatively new. Uh, I blame the thoughtbot guys in Boston for getting me into them. So I've seen them maybe five times. Oh wow! Um, and I've they also do webcasts online, so I've watched a lot of those as well, um, which is great because I can just sit at home and watch them instead of having to wait and drive out of a concert. <laughs>
0: So um, I, believe, I believe that I've seen Fish three times only, Okay. and my first time was a sort of notable concert, I think. Um, I saw them in, I just looked it up while we were talking, in 1994, um, I saw their Halloween concert in Glens Falls, New York, where they played oh, the White Album. Oh, wow. I know, which is like, I think, a thing.
1: Um, I've listened to that show. It's very good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I was if you know, I'm the guy that fell asleep during that set up in the second level of the uh, <laughs> of the venue. God, I, I remember that night. So ninety four. So I, you, you ever think back on when you were like uh, pretty young and wonder how certain events ever happened? Well, this is one for me. So I <laughs> I was, I was born in 1977 in December of 1977. So I'm 36 now. That means that I was, uh, you know, 16, I guess, in 94. Um. If
1: that, uh, if that math adds up. I'll yeah. yeah.
0: Right. So I was, I was 16. How I ended up, away uh, up in Glens Falls, uh, all night, because I think it, it started at, I don't know, 10 and went like seven hours or something, <laughs> on Halloween night with a whole bunch <laughs> of people that, uh, were, you know, not doing things that you should do at 16. <laughs> um. I have no idea. Like I have no recollection of how that happened, <laughs> but I'm positive that I was there and saw this concert. So, anyways, that was my first Fish concert. I think I went to two others. I actually had had tickets this year for. Um, they were in Chicago um, for I think three days, and my brother who lives in in Denver was coming coming through town to see the show. I ended up getting a ticket for uh, him and myself for one night, but then it was rained out, so I didn't see him. Oh, bummer. Yeah,
1: I yeah. think that that's part of what I love about this kind of music is that there's always stories, and there's and they're funny or ridiculous or just insane, and they they don't go away. Like sure, like you might forget what was played or what what or like whatever else was happening, but I feel like each little each little show is different, and I haven't se- I feel like I haven't seen that with a lot of other music that I've been into.
0: So so I was, uh, my my number one memory of that show is sort of embarrassing, the Halloween show. Because I, so I was pretty young. I was 16 and hadn't been to all that many concerts and uh, or seen all that much in my life. And I remember being out in the parking lot and there being this, like, guy with a, um, like, a shopping cart, I guess, that had been, you know, stolen from a local store and had been rigged up as sort of like a vending cart. And he was selling... Uh, balloons filled with something. That mm. I wonder what. <laughs> well, so here's my question for you. This doesn't implicate you in anything. Oh, so, boy. are there multiple? Are there multiple things that one could get in one of these balloons, or was it all <laughs> the same option? Uh, I I am
1: honestly not sure. I guess it would be just nitrous.
0: That's what I thought.
1: Which I've seen uh, the first show that I went to, we watched a dude get busted with what was obviously a like a tank from a doctor's office. <laughs> that it was, so.
0: And he wasn't. Uh, he was not a doctor, I assume.
1: I I would not. He was probably a doctor of something, all right. Um, <laughs> but we watched the cops surround him, and I mean that thing was like a serious. Like it looked like he walked into a dentist's office and stole it. <laughs> And <laughs> uh, we, we were just sitting in a car waiting to move, and, like, we, it was pretty funny to watch the watch them get surrounded. But uh, uh, I'm not aware of <laughs> what else. I like my brain cells where they are.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> most balloons would be nitrous. I'd, I'd assume so. Hmm. That was my guess, too. Or I mean, like, I was told that, and then I always assumed that that's what they were, but I never, I've never asked anyone until right now. So there we that's, go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a very typical lot scene, though.
0: <laughs> so that's still, like, if I went this year, that, that would still be happening?
1: I would say so. Um, hmm. most, some of the venues I've been to have the, the little shakedown, um, shakedown street, where there's just, like, people selling food and posters and all sorts of other random stuff. Some don't, though. Um, the thing that I've learned about shows is that uh, I, like, I like making money. So I like to bring – I'll bring food and water for me and whoever else is going, but then I'll buy more than what's necessary and then just start selling it. So uh, when I went to a show in Toronto, um, like we parked our car, and then we were right along where everyone was walking into the show, and we just put the cooler down, and then we ended up selling all the water that we brought.
0: And what's the no matter what you sell it
1: for, it's going to be cheaper than what it is in the venue. Uh-huh. So –
0: What's That's the going rate for a bottle of water at a fish show Uh, road?
1: I think we were selling them for like two apiece at, uh,
0: in Canada. Two Canadian? Yeah, two Canadian. <laughs> I Featured don't even know, up. like, well, I don't even know how that converts now. It's mostly
1: one to one. Um, there, I think their dollar tends to do a little better recently. Wow. Um, yeah
0: <laughs> now did you please tell me you stamped a little buffalo on the cap of these
1: i waterfalls? I did not no. I missed the branding opportunity.
0: <laughs> I'm sure someone else did though it seems like the thing <laughs> but, <laughs> you uh, do one of the many buffalo branded water players
1: <laughs> i gotta work on i gotta get our marketing people on
0: that right
1: but I mean, uh, so yeah, would I, you,
0: would you sell like tamales and other things like that, that I, people often that, sell? I think
1: that's the next level that i gotta try it out this summer is selling food and uh I think that's going to be the next step. And my my, my working theory is, is that I'll get, like, a big tub of hummus and then just a bunch of pitas and then, like, styrofoam bowls and sell those, and those will go like hotcakes. <laughs> um, and, I don't know, maybe five bucks a piece. i got to figure it out. There's, like, that's the beautiful thing about these, about these. Uh, it's, like, no one moves because, like, it's just like a parking lot. So, like, no one moves, so, and everyone is hungry and thirsty.
0: So I like like, it, 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 this was an unexpected turn in our conversation that you've used these <laughs> as, as like, money-making opportunities.
1: Yeah, it's – they're little experiments for for me. Like, we just went to um, – we tried we, – we did a Kickstarter for Co-Work, and we bought way too many mugs for our Kickstarter rewards. So it was either you bought, like, a bunch of really nice mugs, but not that many for a high price, or – you buy a lot of mugs from, like, a vendor, like a, like a promotion vendor for a similarly high price. So we chose to get way too many mugs instead of a few mugs. And now we have all these mugs to sell. So luckily we, were, um, we got to, like, share a, a table at an art festival this weekend. And um, we didn't sell that many. We sold maybe, like, a dozen.
0: What did do they, do they go for?
1: I think we, we sold them for, like, ten bucks or less if we um if we did like a combo with some other stuff that we had we, we we're trying to sell posters too, but like it's always really interesting to me to watch people sell things because like I am so ter- 'm so terrible at it, but like I was watching one of the guys who was selling um they're basically these packs of cards that give you discounts at restaurants and um, it 's halfway through the year, so they 're just trying to get rid of their inventory now right, but like watching how people sell stuff, especially at these you- at these kinds of festivals, this was fascinating to me. Because you'll, you'll get, the like, the shop owner that kind of, like, sits back and doesn't pay attention. But then you'll get, like, the guy who was in our booth who's, like, literally, like, shoving the product in the people's hands. <laughs> you need but a mug. For, right. But, like, for some reason that works better. Like when, people, I, like, when people were, like, holding it and, like, looking through it, for some reason that tactile touch was, like, that would, that would seal the deal. Like, well, I didn't want it when it was just on the table, but now that I'm holding it, well, I might as well take it off your hands. So, like, there's, like, little things like that that, like, you wouldn't pick up from. Like, you have to kind of kind of be there and
0: experience it. Do you sell them online?
1: The mugs? Uh, we're going to, once we set up a Shopify, uh, that's a whole other fun experience. I was going to set up, like, a little um, shop of my own. Um using Stripe, I
0: think. Mm-hmm. And so I've done that. Stripe is like unbelievably easy to work with it, now.
1: It, it really is, and their their little JavaScript thing is nice too for checkout. Yeah, I think so. But I found out I figured out that like the math doesn't really work out if you need to buy an SSL certificate or for the site. Like you could just pay for Shopify and that would end up being cheaper than paying for hosting in an SSL
0: certificate. Yeah, totally true. Because the you know the Heroku move to host it for free doesn't work if you want to. I mean, I guess it, it, if you wanted to have the checkout be at the HerokuApp.com dot com subdomain, it'd be fine.
1: Right. So if you don't care about the URL, which honestly no one does, um,
0: <laughs> you'd be okay. Maybe that's the answer. Actually, It's just you know have people deal with the shame of the Heroku app URL for the checkout screen.
1: Yeah. It would it would be nice. Yeah, I haven't. So I think we're just going to do a Shopify, and then we'll start selling some mugs.
0: I think I'm obligated to mention that Squarespace offers it now too, given that I host a podcast. I see. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm, they sound like a great option.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't. I have not okay. used the checkout, but they they say it's good. I didn't know <laughs> if they were a sponsor. <laughs> no, they are a sponsor. So I've okay. read. I have many times now read. The, uh, <laughs> the paragraph about how you can now sell things digital or physical on Squarespace and it's built into the platform, starts at eight bucks a month. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, people segue. seem to like it.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it makes a, any of those online shops are making a killing now because it's such a pain in the butt. Like, I mean, I know programming and e-commerce and whatnot, like, I, that's, the, that's also the day job, but, like, working, working on it on the side, like, as I'm, like, trying to plug in all the Stripe stuff, I'm just like, ugh. Can't can't someone do this for me? Like, this is really, this is really, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So
0: So, uh, give me your, like, top few, um, like, things you've noticed uh, about making a side project Rails app, like the Aqueous Band site, because I I, I like to do side projects, too, and I always, I don't know, they're always different to me than working on my day job stuff. Like yeah, they, feel, um, they feel different. I use new things. I, you know, I experiment on some things. I like new things. Whatever.
1: Um, yeah. So it's a. I, I try to do things a little differently, but not too much. Um, it's a pretty standard Rails app. It uses Postgres, which I don't use on a daily basis. Uh, Rubygems.org uses Postgres, but everything at Basecamp uses MySQL. So I kind of oh, really? kind of like keeping in both uh, keeping in both worlds. Um, I really like Postgres yeah uh, at this point, like it the differences don't matter too much to me like we have we've got so much uh custom and badass mySQL stuff going on that um it really doesn't feel like MySQL or the problems um, what what are they I think it's called Percona they're a company that has made a lot of custom tools for MySQL, so we can do stuff like that was impossible before. Like, um, you can migrate a giant table. <laughs> Which Postgres is like, hey, no problem. But MySQL, if you try to do a migration on a table with like a million plus rows or more, it your whole database is hosed. Right. And uh, the Percona tools are just amazing. And there's a several, there's a whole suite of them.
0: And um, they're commercial, they're not?
1: Owned. No, this one's free. I think it's a PT Online Schema Change. Hmm. It's a which is uh yeah, it's in the Percona toolkit, um and there's a whole there's a whole bunch of them that make MySQL livable in large deployments and um but that I mean that it's also a factor of our ops guys being amazing,
0: but uh yeah, it helps if you've got a crew of guys to yeah work on things
1: um what else have I learned? Um,
0: Are you hosting it on Heroku?
1: It is on heroku uh. I upgraded to, like, the next tier of
0: database stuff. So I am actually paying them. Um, because you needed more than 10,000 rows or whatever they're, whatever they're you No,
1: know, I think I just... I think because Heroku's free tier is just kind of, like, flaky, I decided to just upgrade it just because I, I, I felt like I had put enough data in here that I felt I needed to, like, give them some kind of money so it didn't, didn't disappear. <laughs> but I'm still on like I'm still on like the hobby, which I feel is kind of insulting that, that they call like it's either everything's either a hobby or it's professional. Like, can not it be something in between? Like this is kind of.
0: <laughs> well, I kind of like, so I, I, my reaction to that has changed over time. Like in the last year, so it used to be that I had what, the same reaction you did, which is like a oh, really hobby. That's stupid. But now I kind of see it as a challenge. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> You know, that's just a hobby. <laughs> like, because you know, it's the same thing under the hood. Like, there's, you know, I, they're, they're not like randomly failing on the hobby tier. Um, right. I, it's not like the advancements that they make on the, in terms of stability at least, on the professional tier don't trickle down, I would, I would think. I may be wrong about that.
1: Um, yeah. I'm, from what I understand, like, the Postgres stuff at Heroku is a completely separate organization and, like, a separate kind of SWAT team of
0: database gurus. They're so. super great. I think that it's an amazing service, actually. Yeah. Like the, I use the professional, like, I use a pretty big professional tier for something professionally. And, man, I think it's amazing. I think the followers the uh, are great. I think that the uh, backups are great. I think the data clips are cool. I think lots of it's cool.
1: Yeah, they've been kicking butt there. That's for sure.
0: All right, Um, so you use Postgres, you go... What what do do you do for uh, design and layout? Do you go some uh... off-the-shelf...
1: Yeah, so ThoughtBot had a bunch of... um, They have a whole suite of, like, awesome SAS, SCSS toolkits, really. Uh, They have... um, The main thing I use, it's called Refills, Mm -hmm. which uses... um, it's like a bunch of pre-pack. It says literally on the site, pre patterns, and that's what it is. It's like snippets of of CSS that you can just drop in for stuff, and it works with their um, other uh, SCSS plugins that do like grid layout and that do um, nice little mix-ins. So that's kind of nice. Like I didn't do a lot of design for this. I kind of just ripped it straight off of what they had. <laughs> so like I didn't I didn't want to waste time on on that. Like I. I I'm pretty good with, I can pick a font, and then I can, like, get stuff showing on the page, but, like, past that, I'm like, I need to start copying from other people. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I, I kind of, there.
1: yeah, I kind of copied everything from that little refill site, which I think is great, as like, a as a starter. Like, if we ever get to the point where some web designer becomes interested in this, and then they want to go to town, then they can go to town. But until then, I'm just going to use the off-the-shelf stuff, because, honestly, like, the people that are listening to this, to this music and are also interested in the site do not inter- most likely do not intersect with the people that are like making bootstrap sites and copying those kinds of photos. So like to them, it's like, wow, this is a really nice, cool, original site. And I'm like, yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Because <laughs> you just got to rehearse saying thank you to those yes. people. I... Um, I think that that project or that set of projects by um, Thoughtbot is is maybe my favorite open source thing of the last year.
1: I think it, it's really invaluable. I wish it worked better with um, Sprockets. Uh, so we don't use for the Basecamp stuff. We don't use um, the Thoughtbot stuff
0: for that. For that uh, reason, because it
1: not really, for that reason. We just I, we just haven't um, yet. And, and the the, na-
0: the names of the gems, so everyone knows, are, it's bourbon is the mix-in. Yes. God, that's, like, the lowest level. And then neat is the grid layout on top of bourbon. And then refills are the prepackaged things on top of bourbon. Right. And then what's, that? I feel like there's one more. Uh, it looks like it's bitters, which is like. Um, oh, that's like a, like a CSS reset. Yeah. 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 They've, they've got a bit of an alcohol
1: naming problem over there. But, uh. They're a really nice little set of projects that you can basically just drop in to a new Rails app and then get flying. But we use we use Sprockets more, I would say, in a vanilla way at Basecamp. So like we um and I think it's the require tree directive. It's like one of the things that Bourbon says immediately, like, hey, we don't work with this because Bourbon's includes need to be like sequential and And that's not really the way Sprockets works. And the thing that I miss that you can still do with bourbon is um, like it, let's say I've got so I've got like three main controllers in the aqueous band site. There's like shows and songs and venues. Well I could have a shows.scss uh dot whatever dot css or whatever the stupid rails suffixes. Like, I can have a separate CSS file for each of those controllers. Right. And then Spockets takes care of compiling them all. When you don't have the require tree thing, you have to, like, manually put in, hey, require or include the show's CSS and include the song's CSS. So, like, you kind of lose that a little bit of the uh, convention over configuration that Rails gives you. But at the same time, like, you're adding this amazing time-saving... CSS library and mix-ins and components. So, like, like, the complaint there is very minor compared to, like, everything that Bourbon is buying for you. Yeah,
0: I I had the same experience. So at first I was like, oh, really? You know, I've got to manually include these. And I'm like, okay, I think I can manage typing at include shows, you know, semicolon, in order to get all that.
1: It's Um, just, I mean, yeah, it's just a different way of dealing with it. Like, I think if people had to do, like, if it was the same thing for JavaScript, like, if, I think people rely on the JavaScript side of that a lot more than the CSS side, and I think people would complain on an immense amount, or they would, we would see more use of, like, require.js and other stuff on the JavaScript side. Yeah. Because Spockets just kind of handles all of that for you.
0: Do you, I'm going to ask a controversial question. Oh, boy. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Do you, did you keep Turbolinks in Aqueous or not?
1: It, it's there. Um,
0: <laughs> Do you, have you written any JavaScript for Aqueous?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so there's a show. Or the, um, I really like the D3 JavaScript library. Super um, cool. It's an amazing little library. And if you've ever done any kind of like charting or graphs or anything in JavaScript before, D3 kind of like melts your brain. Because, like, it just has this really beautiful, elegant way of describing data and putting it together. And it's mostly based around ranges. So you say, like, I have a range of stuff. And usually it's numbers. But that range can identify, like, um, all, like, frequency for a song, for example. So, like, it's up or down for a song. Mm -hmm. Or um, if you've got a graph, then you would have two ranges of, like, your X and your Y values. And, like, that's something that you end up, like, you don't really think about it if you're using, if you're graphing stuff elsewhere. But in JavaScript, at least, it's a really fluent way of describing the data and then performing actions on it. Because then your action, it's like you, it's basically like an iterator where on top of the range you get to put in behavior instead of, like, for each point
0: you do behavior. It sounds like R. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's pretty similar to R's model.
0: What do you call, I, what do you call that? It's like matrix math. Not,
1: I'm not too sure. I have I've only played with R a little bit. Matrix. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, that's too, one too many calculus courses that I didn't take.
0: Um, <laughs> what did you graduate? What did you go to school for?
1: Um, I started with software engineering um, at uh, RIT, and then um, I ended up taking too many programming classes and I'm like can I have a CS minor and they're like no you can have a major though if you don't if you take these many more classes which I never had to overload so I ended up getting two bachelor's one for computer science and one for software engineering but I tend to tell people I took computer science because it's easier to explain I should have just said computer science
0: <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, It's your your two degrees. You should describe them however you want to.
1: Yeah. Software engineering is more like the people problems behind programming, which in in reality means I took a bunch of courses on how to make Word documents and do project plans and different ISO things that are terrible, and I hate. I I don't know. What a bummer. It was pretty miserable. But the nice thing about the software engineering stuff, at least at RIT, was that it forced you to work in a team immediately, and you could tell the difference between people that had to work on a team and deal with others and the people that didn't. <laughs> Namely a lot of the CS majors.
0: Okay. Uh, well, so, yeah. I mean, people's skills and CS majors are, you know, right. don't always overlap super well, especially at that age, especially oh, at definitely. 19 or 20.
1: Yeah. So that was a big that was a big thing. I think that was the big win for me from a first software engineering as a background was that it kind of like it kind of made you participate in a team sooner instead of like once you got in the job and then you had to deal with people. Um, so that was nice. But anyway, we should talk about D um, uh, three. So the JavaScript I've written for the site is um, is mostly just little I, I would call them sprinkles for <laughs> for. Uh,
0: do you do you nickname all the little parts of your apps?
1: No, no, I, that, that's a. That's a rag on. I think some Rails kind of talk where they fling that base camp's mostly JavaScript sprinkles.
0: Oh, uh, That's right. I forgot about that.
1: Um, so there's now, like a it, little like a comment.
0: scale of one to ten. How untrue is that comment at this point?
1: Oh, it's very true. Um, a lot of our JavaScript is written pretty um, imperatively, you know, and in a way that like hooks into page events, and it's not meant at all like so. Th- there's a, obviously all these frameworks like angular and ember and what's the other one
0: uh
1: um there's a bunch of them right and we haven't we haven't really used any of them thoroughly and mostly because like we, we like someone will try it and like not be impressed and then we won't use it so like i would say like it a lot of the javascript in Basecamp is sprinkled on and that's that works okay but it means that like It's hard to refactor, and it tends to grow in weird ways. Right. It's not terrible, though. (laughs) Like, the the win is that, and you'll hear uh, DHA say this too, that uh, the win is that we haven't repeated logic. Like, you won't have two model view controllers on both sides, except in the parts where we need it, like the calendar, which is very, very, very... Uh, JavaScript intensive. Honestly, though, we have too much JavaScript in general, but that's a problem on, like, any big site. <laughs> right. So, like, cutting down is always a, a good idea,
0: I feel. But you st- So with your D3 work, you stuck with TurboLinks. You didn't have any collisions or weird I, stuff? No,
1: like I haven't seen anything weird with it. I haven't gotten to that magical weird point where it's like, why is this broken? Oh, it's because of turbolinks. But... I mean, it's a pretty standard site. Like most of the behaviors, dyna- most of the behavior is static. There's but like it's the only stuff with D three that I'm using is like one little graph to show frequency, and it's like little tick marks up and down.
0: Right.
1: And that's it. And even that is like only um, I don't know. It's like under I don't remember the exact count. Maybe it's under 50 lines of CoffeeScript. It's not that much. And. Um, it's, it's, the site just simply isn't that, isn't that complicated yet. I would love for, to, I definitely want to do more D3 stuff, though. It's such a fun little library to play with.
0: So if I'm going to get into Aqueous today, like, uh, I want to make this the day where I discover them, what's oh, the man. best, what's the best path to pick?
1: That is a great question. It's like a feature we should have in the site that I
0: write. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you need that, you need, like, the readme. the, like. You know, the, That's a really starters. yeah. We should
1: have like a getting started guide. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a really good SoundCloud account. Um, it's Uncle Phil's blog is the SoundCloud account that um, it's uh, my buddy from Rochester, Darren, who's posted a ton of different fan recordings, um, including his own of shows, and they're really good. Um, also, their website, just plain old plainoldaqueousband.com, has. Recordings as well.
0: Um, and any one's as good as any other one. I,
1: I I can't say that I have, like, favorite shows yet. Um, oh, yeah. Also, um, archive.org has um, an Aqueous uh, archive as well. Um, I didn't know this, but um, there's an entire live music archive on archive.org. Like, archive.org is not just for the Wayback Machine. They have, like years and years and years of
0: all sorts of different live music on it. That's cool. Have you ever used, um, I think it's on Archive.org, they've got the the TV searching feature? No, I haven't. It'll blow your mind, so I think I've got the right site. So, uh, for example, if you wanted to find every television mention of Aqueous ever, or not ever, but recently maybe, right? you just type in Aqueous, and it will give you like a YouTube search results looking list of every mention that you then can play and see like the local news saying you know aqueous saves a cat a tree or that sort of thing <laughs> and it, it it's unbelievable you feel like you're living in the future um, well I'm not sure it would work well for aqueous because I'm not sure that the uh, the uh, transcribing of the shows would catch their name quite right but it works for lots of things
1: yeah it's such a like I feel like it's such an underused, I mean, it probably is used, it just, we're not on it all the time. But, uh, like, I'm always, I'm on archives, I feel like at least, at least once a week to, like, look at some old site or something. But I never thought about all these other use, uses for it. I
0: think it's sort of like the library of the internet, the thing that's amazing, that's a utility that uh, is underleveraged and, and uh, reinvented all the time.
1: I like this library theme. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the unintentional library theme. All right, so uh, I'm going to go to soundcloud.com, Uncle Phil's blog. I'm looking at it now, and I see a bunch of shows, and I'm going to listen to a random show.
1: Uh, on the air here? No. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, no, After. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like we're gonna have this is gonna be a long show.
0: It's gonna be awful. It's, gonna, <laughs> it's been so good, and then we're gonna train wreck the whole thing.
1: <laughs> the um th- there's a few really good shows on there. Um they did a Beatles Night, it looks like that's the one on top. I was at that show, that was fun. Um there's one, I think it's the the Buffalo Love concert um or festival. <laughs> that's this weekend. Uh that um they, but it was this it's this weekend but the recording from last year is up on the SoundCloud site okay. and um I, the band also has their own SoundCloud site where they put where they put stuff up as well SoundCloud is is this real I really like SoundCloud it's such a really cool little I, I don't know any site that I can just like throw on and then have hours of music just
0: Spit at me, and I don't have to pay a dime. It's wonderful. <laughs> I've got a fun, I've got a fun um, related story. So yesterday my dad sends me a text message and says, I signed up for Twitter this morning. Oh, God. Um, I need you to to help me use it and make it great because I know that people you know, get all this uh, like news and links and things that they like from Twitter, and I like to read, and I don't use Twitter, so I'm determined. <laughs> Which was, I was sort of like happy about but it was a weird email to get. I feel like I am my dad uh, about SoundCloud. I like I don't get it. So give me like the thirty seconds of what it. How do I get? How do I get your SoundCloud experience for me?
1: So it's it's basically. Um, I, I, I hate saying this. It's like kind of like a YouTube for music. You can upload music, and then it kind of transcribes it really nicely. And you can comment on specific parts. And I've seen on, like, some, uh, on some bigger artists that are on here, like, people will put, like, oh, I really like this section on, like, the, uh, at, like, 2 minutes 20 seconds or something. Like, they'll say something about this point. And I haven't, I haven't seen the way that they present data and at least music elsewhere. And I say like that's kind of interesting. Like, and they let you upload stuff. If you you pay for their free account, you can upload. Or if you pay for a free account. If you pay for a pro account. Sucker. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you pay, then you can upload as much as you want. So I feel like, especially for for upcoming artists where, like, their album sales, and at least, that's not the problem, right? The problem is, like, they need people to listen and right. they need fans like this where like they're just taping stuff and uploading it constantly like this is what they need they they need exactly this they need a place to put stuff where people can just listen to it and then where they actually make money is like shows and uh, any merchandise right so it's right. kind of it's kind of like a i feel like it's such a great little resource for for bands like
0: this all right I'm going to make today then the day that I Discover if I'm going to discover it. Aqueous and SoundCloud. It's a lot of pressure on today, but that's what I'm going for. Go for. It. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap up with uh, one last bit of advice from you about parenting. You've been a parent oh, now for seven months. Uh, uh, that probably makes you an expert. So, uh, give your top three parenting lessons that you've learned for oh, other parents.
1: Um, yeah. So is. It's kind of funny, um, a few months ago, like, five of my coworkers all announced on the same day that they were pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Which is really, it's not a joke. And it's really weird because it's a remote company, right? So there's, like, everyone, like, if this was an office, right, that would never happen. Some of them would come in and be like, hey, or, like, they would tell people. But, like, for some reason, it was, like, weird and awkward. Like, all these people had this news, but no one knew when to share it. And for some reason, like without a j it wasn't even a joke, like someone said it, and then the next person was like, "Oh, yeah, I have some news to share too. We're pregnant as well." and then it just snowballed until like five people announced like so it was like like,
0: like it was like a contagion
1: it it really was. people were like, "What is going on? There are way too many gifts and sounds being played. It was bad so like i I was doling out I was doling out some advice, and I'm sorry if it was it was a little
0: unsolicited, but uh Great. Well, you're that, practiced. I, I love when people give parenting advice. It, so.
1: There is some things that I've learned. Um, well, the one thing is that uh, th- there's certain things you need if you are going into this game. Uh, there's the what's the the book uh, "Happiest Baby on the Block" uh, by Dr. Karp, I believe, is like the Bible <laughs> that I uh, that I prescribe to. Um, it's basically like a little it's basically like te- a technique on how to put your kid to sleep and like keep them and like calm them, calm them down. And it oh. works. Happiest baby
0: on the block. I've never heard of this book. Uh,
1: yeah. And there's a sequel to this happiest toddler that I need to
0: pick up. Um, how about ha- happiest 30 something on the block? Yeah, really? Is that a that thing?
1: Should, I should write that book.
0: Um, <laughs> you beat him to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. What well, was another funny thing? Oh, uh, well, one of those coworkers that announced a while ago, um, they went into labor yesterday, so some conversation in our campfire was um things you shouldn't be doing in the in the in the delivery room <laughs> and uh one of my coworkers said like um, her father was watching like Looney Tunes or something or some kind of TV show, and like that was that has still been a point of contention for like years and years and years that like you were helping me. Uh, my problem was that I I uh, definitely housed an entire sub in oh, front, yeah. like while it, in the room during during labor. I feel like that's
0: like a that's like a sitcom caliber it was, mistake.
1: The nurses it, the nurses were were like, your wife is a saint because first of all, like I could have just sat outside and ate it, like and it would have been okay. <laughs> I could have taken my like ten minutes to wolf down the sub. Outside, mm-hmm. but uh, for some reason I decided to, like I needed to be in the room at this moment in time, and that was a bad decision. So don't do that. Don't eat.
0: Go outside if you need to eat. But yeah, first, like really. Even if it didn't, even if it didn't cost Nick, don't do it. It's a bad decision.
1: <laughs> it, it was kind of sitcom, sitcom.
0: Like, the entire <laughs> yeah, that, thing was. That's like what Ross would do, you know, like in Friends, and <laughs> everyone would be like, "Ross, you know, you can't do that." Everyone knows you can't do that.
1: We found having a sense of humor. At least the day of is really good. A lot of people are like scared out
0: of their brains, and like just making jokes is really good. Uh, there are a few times in life where having a sense of humor is going to do you harm and right, right, and this was like
1: and
0: they were like the nurses react really
1: well to it I think they're 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 very battle hardened in uh in in uh those units of like dealing with all sorts of different situations, but like having any kind of sense of humor is, like, a total breath of fresh air for them. Especially since they're dealing with so many different situations. This is not parenting advice, though. Um. No, I think
0: (laughs) your your two pieces of advice so far are good. So get this book. Now, this book came out after I had kids, so it didn't... And I now feel, uh... Well, no, maybe it didn't. The one that I see is 2008, but maybe the original came out before then. Um, But anyhow, Happiest Baby in the Block, Don't Eat in the Delivery Room, You Idiot, and... All right, give me one more parenting oh, okay. advice. Um, you should
1: buy a boppy. What's a boppy? Uh, B O P P Y. It's like a little pillow. Um, that you can put around yourself to like put your kid on, and we have used it every day since since the moment my son was born.
0: I remember those. It, now. It's
1: like a. It's it's actually really comfy. I should be using it now instead of having this magma hot laptop on my lap um <laughs> it's basically the same thing it's like a little a babies are little batteries of warmth and so is my laptop and it's really good and it's it's reasonably priced too and it's like not like a techno like a, all the like tech things that we bought like we got um, um some kind of rocker that like he used for like two months that was it but like the, the the Boppy is like that's stood the test of time, and we've bought it now for other couples that have had that have had kids, just because like you do you, like use it every day. It and looks like it's like,
0: thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. Yeah,
1: that's that's super reasonable for a thing that you use literally every day. <laughs> that right. is, that's definitely the thing. Like it's it's really interesting seeing the products that last and what don't, especially when you have a little one destroying them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Yeah, because a lot of things aren't going to make it past, like, 20 uses before they're gone. Right. I mean, I I hate, like, uh, buying things to dispose of them. That seems like a bad thing. But sometimes you kind of have to with a little kid. Yeah. All right. that's good advice.
1: I hope that's enough. I'm still learning. I'm very much a a greenhorn.
0: Well, you're seven months in, so if you pick up one like, valuable piece of uh, <laughs> advice for every two months a kid's alive. By the time gonna they're 13, you're going to be a, a treasure trove of...
1: I'm going to have to write a book.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, anything you want to promote before we sign off?
1: I think you let me promote enough stuff. <laughs> Thanks for having me on.
0: <laughs> this is sort of like all, like 100% Nick Corrado <laughs> <the> promotion. <laughs> Plus a little uh squarespace. I, I talked squarespace.
1: some Basecamp, base and, yeah, we we
0: promoted some competitors. Do they count as a competitor?
1: No, 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 no. Like competitors to your uh, sponsors.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here, I I thought all of a sudden I I, I, uh, was going to find out that that Squarespace competed with (laughs) Basecamp, and I didn't realize it. (laughs) All right. Uh, If people want to talk to you on Twitter, what's the – how do they reach you?
1: Sure. um, I'm qrush on Twitter, just as it sounds, or crush, depending on how you – how much you like wrestling?
0: In my in my head, it's always Q Rush, but...
1: I, I don't know which it is. I've had people say both. Um, I, I At this point, it, it doesn't... I'm, I have other things I need to worry about.
0: <laughs> now, what did you intend for it to be?
1: So, I needed a new name. This is funny. That we're doing it. Um, so, around the time when I started doing Ruby, um, my name, my online handle was Dr. Nick. And I remember going into different IRC rooms, and they're like, you, hey, it's...
0: Were you selling nitrous? No. Okay.
1: That is not a side business of mine. <laughs> um, <the laughs> I, ended up, I ended up going, I think, like, the Ruby on Rails IRC room. This was 2008, maybe. And people were like, hey, it's Dr. Nick. And I'm like, who? I, and then I, like, Googled that. I'm like, okay, Dr. Nick, Ruby. And I'm like, well, I'm not this guy. I'm not some Australian comedian. Oh, so I, I needed a new name, and uh, I was listening to a lot of Rush at the time. So I decided to put together Q and the Rush, and that was available on Twitter, I, I think.
0: So I like Rush, so you're not going to get any judgment out of me. There you go.
1: My dog's name is Getty. So
0: <laughs> oh, nice. I, uh, nice.
1: I uh, like them too much.
0: <laughs> Do you still like them a lot?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't see them last year, but I saw them almost for maybe f- three or four years in a row. They're really good, and I feel like they're one of those bands that like I I only had so much longer to see them.
0: <laughs> I right. think,
1: and but they're still kicking ass.
0: So I've seen them twice. I think the last time was maybe 14 years ago or so. So it's been a while. Um, yeah. Well, I'm barely known on Twitter. Um, is that was-
1: is is, is was that on purpose? Did you find someone that was, was there a Dr. Sean that you need?
0: <laughs> no, although I was, so I did have a different name and uh, I don't remember, I think I was on a run and uh, I must've just heard someone that had a good Twitter handle that I liked a lot and um, I didn't do this show at the time, but I think it must've been on a podcast and I thought, wouldn't it be great to sign off of a podcast saying I'm barely known on Twitter? Perfect. Love it. And, uh, it ended up being available, which I couldn't believe because it seems like such an obvious joke, but okay. And, uh, anyway, so I sort of like switched my online identity to barely known because I think it's like the joke does not get old to me at all. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, there we go. <laughs> we'll see if I feel that way in two years, but I still like it. All right. Well, Nick, uh, thanks tons for coming on. Enjoyed awesome. it a lot.
1: Thanks, fans.